This morning we're going to be wrapping up our um, sermon series. We're not there yet. And um, we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 3. And here we find, uh, we're going to be looking at a um, part of the second creation story in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. The servant replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and it, its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of God's Word. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for this, this time, this place, this opportunity to gather together with family and friends and loved ones. We thank you for those that are joining us online this morning and pray that you be with them. And that as we now collectively turn to your scriptures, that you might open our ears, that we might hear. But even more than just hearing, that our hearts might be touched, that we might be transformed into the people that you've called and created us to be. People who care about the things that you care about. Who love the way that you have called us to love. So now I ask that you would hide me behind your cross. so that it is you that we can experience and not me, and that I wouldn't be in your way. Guide my words. Reveal your glory. Amen. So, we're, we're not there yet, but we're heading somewhere, right? Like, um, and we, and we talk, we've talked about, like, we continue to grow physically. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, I mean, I, I, can, I can control, like, how, how big physically I get, right, I guess. But, uh, in fact, Tuesday we're going to start doing something about that, I'm, I understand. And so... <laughs> 
But the aging process, the maturing process, you can't stop it, right? As, as Jamie so wonderfully pointed out to the kids, Jeff's older than you. Um, at least she was comparing, it wasn't just you, Jeff's old, it was older than them, which is true. Um, um, but sometimes we wonder if Jeff matures, like, matures, right? Like, um, but we do, we grow up. We grow up, and, and the things that we care about change over time. Um, some things we, some things do, right? Like, I mean, I still really enjoy comic books. That hasn't changed. So, but some things have changed. Um, you know, and, and so, the, right, like, are we all on the same page with this? Like, you, you have grown up. Is anybody here this morning that has stopped growing up? Right? And, okay, maybe, maybe emotionally. But, like, you're, you're physically changing. And so there, there's, this, there's things that happen to us, and we continually grow up, and we should grow up. Otherwise, otherwise there's something wrong with us. Right? Like, I mean, if you were still emotionally a, uh, a three-year-old, which sometimes happens, but there's, there's a diagnosis for that, and it's not, the, it's not the normal process. Does that make sense to you? Um, and so the, the question is, the question became in the first week, are we growing up and maturing spiritually? Because we are also spiritual beings. And, and so would it be fair to say that like if, if you haven't spiritually matured beyond third grade, there might be a problem. And I'd be willing to have a cup of coffee with you and argue with you that actually throughout the Bible you see this process of, of growing and maturing and understanding and, and, and relationship with God and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, but, but if we're growing, the question is, what are we growing towards? What's the, what's the goal? What's the objective? As my friend Stefan said would be a good word for that. What, what, like, where is it? What is that just over the horizon place that we're trying to arrive as Christians. And I think that there's many sort of suggestions for that. Many, many, many of these goals have been suggested. One of them is like, well, it's simply heaven. Like the ultimate goal is, is heaven. And we've talked about that that can lead to problems because then what about the rest of it? And really, if you read the Bible, that, that actually can become problematic if we think the entire thing is just about getting to heaven. Um, some people feel like that, in fact, you've maybe seen tracks that suggest that what there is, there's this hole in your life. And that the goal is to fill that hole with something other than, uh, that, that to, to fill that hole with anything other than God is, is wrong. And that the goal is to fill that hole with, uh, that's in you with God. Has anybody ever seen any tracks like that? Um, well, Last week, I kind of had a, a little thing at the end, and some people, I think, picked up on it. Some people were like, I just, Jeff just totally lost me, but the rest of it was okay. Um, but I'm, I mentioned this idea that, that maybe, just maybe, there isn't a hole in you. Um, because the fact of the matter is, even if we start feeling like we've filled this hole with God, um, we still feel a hole sometimes, don't we? If, if you don't, tell me how, because I do. Like, there are still th- like, I still have longing for 
and I still feel separation and gap in my life, even, even having a relationship with God. And I think it's a pretty good relationship that I have with God. Um, some people actually preach that the goal, ultimate goal is wealth. It's called prosperity gospel. It's, tr- it's true. Like I actually heard a pastor one time talk about the blessing of Abraham. And what he said was Abraham was a really wealthy man. And so when it says that we are recipients of the blessings of Abraham, that we too will be rich. That, he preached it. And I was like, wow. Talk about adventures and missing the point. Um, but some people believe that, <clears throat> that wealth or health or, or somehow like your, all your dreams will come true. It's a Disney movie. That's not the Bible. Um, and then, and then I, mean, I think ultimately it, it probably comes down to relationship with God. Um, but even that, like how, what does that look like and how do you explore that? And so, so the question is, if we're not there yet, where are we actually trying to get to? And I do love the image because it's like this guy's got everything packed. It looks like he's got a fantastic SUV. It's even got the snorkel. I don't know if you can see that, which means he can go in deep water. But it also looks like he's in the middle of the desert. And so, but he's prepared for anything. But he's standing on the roof of his car and he's like, yeah, okay, where are we going? He's all, he's all packed. He's ready to go. But it's like, where? So, so what I'm going to suggest today is that what, what the Bible seems to be indicating and what Jesus seems to be teaching and what the, the authors of the New Testament seem to be saying is that where we're trying to get, our ultimate destination, our goal, is to grow in the wisdom of God. So wisdom of God does not mean understanding of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying like ultimately our goal is to be able to have a better understanding of God. Um... What, what I am suggesting is, is it's an understanding as God. Do you see the difference? Yeah? Are we picking up what I'm laying down at this point? Okay. So it's not about being able to know more about God. It's about being able to think and act and, and look more like God. Okay? All right. So with that in mind, I have developed a definition of wisdom. This is what I think. So uh, the, the, I will apologize. There is, for those of you that are grammatic, like are really concerned about grammar, you will see the way that I write is also the way that I talk and think. And so I go from singular to plural. It doesn't matter. Um, so w- wisdom is the quality of understanding our experiences Applying knowledge and good judgment, which are based on, it should say either our or the other one needs to say your, beliefs, in order to do the right thing in any given circumstance. Okay? Can we work with that? We're going to leave it up there so that we can kind of reference it. Wisdom is the quality of understanding our experiences, applying knowledge and good judgment, which are based on our beliefs, in order to do the right thing in any given circumstance. And so I think one of the ways right off the bat that I can prove that I'm not there yet is I still don't do the right thing in any given circumstance. I don't. Um, I'm not even sure I've done that all morning. Yes, yeah. Okay, so the other thing too is, like I mentioned, this is the second 
creation story. This, uh, many scholars look at this one as a, um, as, a, as a story of wisdom. This is a wisdom story. And, and this story isn't meant to explain like, why we are sinful. It actually takes our sinfulness for granted. It's already there, right? It's not like, oh, this is how you became sin. No, you are, and that's it. If you're human, guess what? You're not perfect, so end of story. Um, and we actually have an inclination towards evil. Do, do you believe that? I, I, I think so. If you don't, just go home and turn on the news. Um, you have to realize that they were disobedient before they ever ate the fruit. If they wouldn't, they wouldn't have even considered eating the fruit. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It wasn't like they ate the fruit, they became disobedient. No, they ate the fruit because they were disobedient. They're not the cause of human sinfulness. They're the model of it. <laughs> okay, so in, uh, there's this, there's this uh, commentary, it's called the Genesis Rabbah, and it was, it's, a medieval Jewish, it's a medieval Jewish commentary written sometime between 300 and 500 A.D. And in it, the Jewish commentary, the, the, they're, they're arguing that the Adam story told here reflects or parallels the story of Israel. And, and what they say is that Genesis 2 and 3 actually begins the focus of the story of the Bible. And from here, it sort of launches out. But you see a little microcosm of the story of Israel right here. So Adam is created out of the dust of the earth. He's transported to a lush land where uh, he and, and Eve live with God. And then there's this command, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, which basically is this, obey um, and things will go well. Obey and things are going to go well. Disobey and you will surely die. Um, they don't die necessarily, but they are driven out of the Garden of Eden. Another word for being driven out of your home is called, anyone want to guess? Exile. It's exile. Right? So the Israelites are raised up out of the dust of Egypt. They are brought to a lush and flo uh, land flowing with milk and honey, where they get to live with God. They're given commands to follow. Obey, you get to keep the land. Disobey, you get exiled. What happens? They get exiled. Woo, look at the parallels, right? In fact, uh, this is where they get the idea that it's there, and I don't think they're too far off. Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, beginning in verse 19, it says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. He is the key to your life. My Bible says this is the key to your life, but the Hebrew actually says he, so we're going to go with he. Not this is the key to your life. He. He 
is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So do you see the connection between land and living? If you're in the land, you're living. If you're out of the land, you're dead. And so what they're saying is the same thing is true with Adam. They didn't die necessarily, but they did get kicked out. So the story is about wisdom. The serpent is more crafty or more shrewd, is the word that's used there, than any creature God has made. And this shrewd creature tricks Adam and Eve. He tricks them. And, and the author is obviously creating a contrast between the creature, this, this wise creature, and Adam and Eve. Because he uses the same root word to describe them both. So the, the word naked and crafty used in this passage have the same root word. Naked is arom. Cunning, crafty, shrewd is arum. <laughs> so imagine reading that in Hebrew. One of them is arum, and the other one is arom. There's a contrast being made here, right? The contrast is that Adam and Eve aren't wise. They're not wise. Why aren't they wise? Well, maybe it's because they're infants. Right? They eat of the forbidden fruit and they notice they're naked. And now they're ashamed. They have this little bit of knowledge that they didn't have before and it changes everything. So what would that, like, if, if you were to tell that story today, imagine this. Okay, so imagine you're at the beach. Anybody ever been at the beach before? All right. Anybody ever been at the beach with little kids before? All right, you know how, especially like at some point, a lot of times little kids, like two years old, they just end up naked. You know what I mean? Like, you just give up. You're like, the diaper, pff, it gets, and you're just like, whatever, right? You're just like, yeah, go ahead. Just don't get sunburned. Um, you know, and, and they're running around. Okay, so imagine you're at the beach, and there's, these, there's this little two-year-old running around naked. Is there any shame? No. Is anybody else looking at that two-year-old and be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. Maybe, and then they're too uptight. So... <laughs> Right, But there's this little two-year-old just running around. And most, like, most people are like, oh, that's so cute. Look at that little two-year-old. He doesn't know any better. How adorable, right? And he's running around. Now imagine that you're like, hey, little two-year-old, I got this magic lollipop. And if you, if you, if you suck on this lollipop, you're going to have all the same knowledge and wisdom that your parents do. And the child's like, oh, and licks the lollipop. And all of a sudden it's like, oh. <laughs> and runs into the water and is like, oh my gosh, I'm naked. That's the story. You got these little two-year-olds in the garden, and the wise servant comes along and is like, hey, how'd you like to know just as much as your father? And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. And then they're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. You see, what happened is, is that they are not ready for it. They're not ready for it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil symbolizes the goal, but they need to arrive there the right way right? If they arrive there too quickly, it results in all kinds of problems from embarrassment to arrogance, both caused by misunderstanding. 
I mean, the whole Bible is trying to help the Israelites grow up in the wisdom of God. So the, the, the knowledge of truth, the, the knowledge of good and evil, this, this, this wisdom tree isn't bad. It's actually something eventually we all should eat from, but they're not ready yet. They're not there yet. And sometimes we think we are, and we look ridiculous. Have you ever tried to have like an actual intellectual like argument with a teenager? <laughs> Do you, you know what I'm talking about if you've ever done it? Right? And they're and they they like, I'm gonna lay some wisdom on you. And they do, and you're just like, what? That doesn't even like that doesn't even make sense. And they're like, oh yeah, it does. And you're like, no, it, it doesn't. I should I shouldn't I shouldn't have a bedtime. why? Right? And you get these ridiculous arguments and you're like, well, that's silly. And so we can we can either make fun of them, which sometimes is good, um, or we can understand that they're just not there yet. Right? They're trying. They're trying it out. Why are they trying it out where kids aren't? Well, because they have more experiences and they're trying to apply knowledge and good judgment. So they're, they're growing. They're just not there yet. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4 says, Learning wisdom makes you shrewd, which happens to be the same word there in Hebrew that's used to describe the serpent. Adam and Eve are not perfect beings who have fallen off the mantle and cracked. They're infants. And they're the model of humans. So let's complete the parallel for a moment between Adam and Israel. Just like Adam needs to grow up before he can truly appreciate the wisdom of God, the Israelites are being encouraged to grow up. The whole point of the Old Testament is to arrive at the knowledge of good and evil. Wisdom to grow into the image of God. The point of Israel's journey is to arrive at a place where they can reflect the image of God to the world around them. That's actually the point of having the wisdom of God. The wisdom of, growing into the wisdom of God isn't so that you're so wise. It's so that you can reflect God in a, in a proper way to the world around us. Growing in our wisdom of God doesn't mean that somehow we become very impressive theologians. I, I want to drive home this idea of, of like how silly sometimes we can look and how dangerous it can be if we think that we've got it all figured out. Uh, watch this clip. It's from, um, it's from the movie Iron, uh, well, it's an Iron Man clip, but it's actually from a Spider-Man movie. Previously 
obviously on Peter Screws the pooch. I tell you to stay away from this. Instead, you hacked a multi-million dollar suit so you could sneak around behind my back doing the one thing I told you not to do. Is everyone okay? No thanks to you. No thanks to me? Those weapons were out there and I tried to tell you about it, but you didn't listen. None of this would have happened if you had just listened to me. <laughs> if you even cared, you'd actually be here. I did listen, kid. Who do you think called the FBI, huh? Do you know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14-year-old kid. I'm 15. No, this is where you zip it, all right? The adult is talking. What if somebody had died tonight? Different story, right? Because that's on you. And if you died, I feel like that's on me. I don't need that on my conscience. Yes, sir. I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. I understand. I just, I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. Okay, it's not working out. I'm going to need the suit back. For how long? Forever. Yeah. yeah that's no, no, works. no. Please, please, please. Mr. Let's Trump, have it. You don't understand. Please, this is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it. Okay? Gotta sound like my dad. I don't have any other clothes. Okay, we'll sort that out. Oh, I sound like my dad. But the point of Israel's journey, the point of our journey is so that we can reflect the image of our father. But we gotta, we got to realize that we might not be there yet. We still have growing to do, right? It's a process. At first, we have to simply learn to trust and follow the rules. But eventually, we begin to question and develop our own thoughts and understandings as we attempt to use our reason and experiences to reflect on what we've been taught. Again, teenagers. They begin to push against the rules, and they want to know why the rules exist. They're not being disobedient. They're trying to grow in wisdom. We should be doing the same thing. It's okay, did you know that, to question your faith, to question your beliefs. Because if we really believe this is true, it's just going to take you to a deeper place. The only reason you wouldn't question is if you thought the whole thing might fall apart. The reason teenagers question you is because they trust you and they believe you. It seems disobedient and disrespectful, but they're trying to grow. So should we. This is a never-ending process, though, right? Like, I remember thinking, boy, but when I grow up, I tell you what, I'll have it all figured out. I'm still waiting <laughs> to grow up. Really, I, I'm, you know, I'll be 51 soon. And I remember like looking at my parents and thinking that 51 years old, man, they were old and they, and they knew everything. Um, and then I remember looking at them and I thought, they're old and they don't know a thing. <laughs> and then I remember looking at them and saying, they're old. And I wish I knew some of the things they knew. It's a process. It's this never-ending process 
because we're always having experiences and we should always be growing. I mean, after all, wisdom is the quality of understanding our experiences, applying knowledge and good judgment, which are based on our beliefs, in order to do the right thing in any given circumstance. One last thought. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Ultimately, what we're trying to grow into is to be like Christ. Amen.